0: At the time of this recording, all systems are go for Major League Baseball, with spring training games set to begin this Sunday, February 28th. It'll be the sport's second season played amid the COVID-19 pandemic, and the plan right now is to go forward with a typical 162-game schedule. There was talk of delaying the start of the season and playing 154 games on the owner's side of the table, but it looks like the season will start on time, with that idea in the rearview mirror. There's a whole complicated labor mess that's on baseball's horizon, but today I want to look at another element of the current baseball landscape the increasingly massive gap between baseball's good teams and baseball's bad teams. I'm Charlie Bevins, your host of the Radio to Paul Sports Podcast. It's no secret that MLB's problems are vast. It's long had one of the most tense owner-union relationships in North American sports, and in the last few years, the sport has dealt with problems like the Astros sign-stealing scandal, frozen offseason negotiations, player service time manipulation, and a nearly disastrous attempt at starting its 2020 season amidst a pandemic. But there's one set of issues that has long been of particular interest to me. The number of teams electing to be bad. Now, tanking is not a new concept. Throwing away a season for better draft position has been a thing in every professional sport for a while. But something about it in baseball feels different. To talk about this phenomenon, I talked to John Greenberg, the lead columnist for The Athletic Chicago.
1: Throughout the history of baseball, there's been teams that aren't trying to be as good as possible.
0: You know, and that's usually, you used to
1: depend on you know, teams of different market sizes and different business situations. It, was, it wasn't as uniform as it is now with these big, you know, national media deals and, and the website money you get and all the other stuff, you know, it was you didn't make as much money. So there's always teams that were bad. I think, you know, what's happened now is the kind of boom and bust mentality of rebuilds. Boom
0: or bust. When teams are good now, they're great. And when teams are bad now, they, well... Suck. In the year 2000, the Philadelphia Phillies and Chicago Cubs had the worst records in baseball, at 65 and 97 each. The best record belonged to the San Francisco Giants, at the reverse, 97 and 65. There were 14 teams who had a below 500 record. Compare this to 2019, where the worst record belonged to the Detroit Tigers, who went 47 and 115, 17 more losses than the 2000 Cubs and Phillies. The Houston Astros had baseball's best 2019 record at 107-55. There were 14 teams with sub-500 records, but four of those teams had over 100 losses. On the flip side, four teams had over 100 wins in 2019. That 97-65 Giants team from 2000 would have only gotten second place in the AL West, which is what the Oakland Athletics did. The goal of tanking isn't the same in every sport. Yes, ultimately the strategy of losing is to one day be a contender with young, cheap talent. But it's not often that teams start losing so they can get their hands on a specific once-in-a-generation prospect like Zion Williamson or Trevor Lawrence. Still, the goal of losing is to get access into that talent pool of top picks. And if you have a superstar that gets in the way of losing, you can kill a few birds with one stone by trading them for prospects. Now you don't have to pay them; you add to your farm system, and losing becomes a lot easier a
1: draft pick does help, you know, getting a top pick. That's not, you know, nothing to sneeze about the Cubs, got Chris Bryant, because of that, you know, that, that year. So that is a positive that you can really get a high end talent, a better chance at a high end talent. So that's one, right. It's not Zion, but you know, you are kind of locked into high end talent. You can really start scouting the top 10 guys, you know, if you're rebuilding top five guys and it's saving money, you know, you mentioned it before saving money is they don't say this outright, But, you know, the Cubs, I I heard, you know, they saved a fortune during that rebuild. I think they paid down a lot of their debt, you know, of the renovations because they saved so much money during that time. Now, you also are going to have to factor in you're going to make less money on attendance. And, you know, they were having problems selling sponsorships, like the big time ones, from what I've heard, you know, they were people were just kind of I know someone actually who works for a company that, that had a big time sponsorship with the Cubs. And he basically just played hardball with them and got a really good deal, you know, during the rebuild. And then of course, since then, they're out, they're outpriced, but you know, they were struggling in some ways with some short-term money during that. But yeah, it's, it's really just a bit of saving money and getting more money for your draft and getting more money in international signings. There's a lot of different things you can, you can do with that.
0: In February 2019, Nationals pitcher Max Scherzer had this to say about tanking. Quote, when there's too many teams that are not trying to win, that poisons the game, poisons the fan experience, and it creates bandwagon fans. If you're constantly just trying to go in this win-loss cycle that MLB is pushing, you're creating bandwagon fans, and that's not the type of fan you want to create. You want to create the fans that are following the team year in, year out. End quote. Players don't enjoy this. But these vast competitive chasms have another impact that isn't just the on-field product or the fan experience. This affects salaries. For the Associated Press, the average salary has decreased in baseball for the last three years. When there are so many teams that are trying to be bad, it means there are so many teams who aren't spending. And when that happens, off-seasons like 2018 happen, when stars Bryce Harper and Manny Machado didn't sign contracts until after spring training commenced. He's saying, you know,
1: in some ways it's the middle class of baseball players that aren't, just aren't making, you know, don't have the chance to really cash in for unbelievable riches anymore, you know, and, and even like higher class of players that maybe aren't the total, total superstars are going to struggle a little bit because there's less teams willing to spend for them. You know, the certain players will always get their money, but you've even seen in the past few years, it's taken longer and longer for these deals to come to fruition. And there just really isn't enough teams bidding on these players to drive the interest and get kind of quick signings going on, which, you know, that, that hurts baseball. Baseball is, needs that hot stove league. There's always, listen, there's many teams that are never going to spend, right? Pirates are never going to be big free agent spenders. Padres have obviously shown that they can and will, and that's great. But yeah, what it does, this boom and bust stuff is it takes out, some of the top end teams that should have money to spend, and it takes them out of the equation. So, when agents are trying to drum up interest for players, you know, they're not there. The Cubs weren't there to build, to, you know, to bid against people. And that's what really frustrates players and agents is that there just isn't an honest marketplace for their services as there
0: should be. So, that, that's where it really comes in. The Cubs and Astros got rings out of this strategy of embracing the tank. The Astros also had another strategy they're pretty famous for, but the crux of their success was repeatedly being in position to draft players like Carlos Correa, George Springer, and Alex Brakeman. Biting the bullet for years so you can save money and collect young talent like that seems to be the go-to blueprint for finding success. But is it the best way? Teams are bad for a variety of reasons. Sometimes they're strapped for cash in a smaller market. The key is figuring out how to be good when you can't afford to be. That was the story of the Oakland A's and Michael Lewis's Moneyball, and it was the story of the 2020 Tampa Bay Rays, who reached the World Series despite having the third lowest payroll in baseball.
1: I mean, I really think in some ways it's fine to take a year or two off to do this, you know, and see what you can get, especially with a high draft pick. I think the the best way to really build a team, though, is just constant spending on the minors and international spending, your international signings. And really, just doing smart scouting. Now, the problem is, is there's one budget. So if you're spending all your money on major league players, you're gonna have less money to spend on the draft and on international signings or whatever. But that, the you know, and that's really what the Cubs, the Cubs, for example, I keep bringing up. That's what they wanted to do is, is really build this foundation of minor league players. Now, where they failed, that's where they failed because you've seen what you've seen what's happened is they didn't build that system. They didn't build pitching. They've had to spend more and more money on pitching and trade assets for it. And the minor league system really suffered as they got better. You know, the attention wasn't paid. There's only so much attention, so much money you can spend. And you know, when you're just going all in, you know, if you're not hitting on draft picks, you, you're going to be in you're going to be in trouble. You're just going to not trouble. You're just going to kind of reevaluate your your spending. You can really get the bang for your buck if you have good scouting, because you know you're, you'll have guys playing for really undervalued deals. And so that's all Tampa Bay's attention is to, is trying to get good deals like that, you know. And that's they they don't worry about the major leagues because they don't spend a lot of money on the major league. So you really can get some bang for your buck if you do it right. The problem is, is you know, it's it obviously projecting is projecting prospects is a difficult business. Some people are better at it than others. And then the you know once you sign guys, then you have to develop them. And you know the Cubs kind of struggled with that at the major league level after a while. The Rays have not. The Rays have consistently developed guys who keep getting better in the majors. So that's why a lot of teams have hired people from that front office and that organization over the years.
0: The middle and lower class of baseball has historically never been a priority in labor negotiations. But the unwillingness of teams to compete and therefore spend affects the stars. And when you affect the stars, that's when you run into trouble. This competition-killing philosophy of boom-and-bust rebuilding is not the only point of labor contentions, but it certainly is one of them, and baseball is going to have to reckon with that in the next year. So, what can baseball do about this? There's no simple answer, as John points out, but there are steps a sport can take to ensure the competition is adequate. Well,
1: I mean, I think probably you know, the owners would love a salary cap, which the union will never agree to. Um, there should be a salary floor that would help a lot, you know, this is the minimum we can spend. I don't know if the owners would agree to cap. So yeah, this, those two things tend to come together, but you know, that would be, that would be something to help. And you know, that that's real. and if owners more transparency maybe, but they're not gonna be transparent because, you know, I've heard of, you know, I've had baseball executives tell me about their team's books. Like you'll never be able to understand it. It's like, it's purposely obtuse purposefully obtuse, you know, just because of all the tax the tax reasons and owners are a lot smarter these days than they were in the past, you know, when, when labor used to really hammer them on the Marvin Miller days, et cetera. But I don't know. I don't know if there I don't know what the what the answer is going to be. It's really gonna have to be you know something where the where the players association and the owners can really work together and trust each other. And, you know, for for a number of years here their relationship was pretty good. They were getting deals done really well. There wasn't any kind of labor stoppage. And now it's kind of, it's changed. There's different owners now. Um, they they want to take, you know, they want to win. They want to win some of these battles against the players that they weren't winning. And I think the player Association has slipped a little bit in some of these negotiations. And they've got to, from what it sounds like, they, they've kind of figured that out, that they've got to be a little tougher.
0: Baseball has a number of issues to sort through that we didn't even talk about today, and it's reached a point that a 2022 work stoppage seems imminent. So in the meantime, if you're a fan, it's probably best to just enjoy the show while it's still on. Though, I wouldn't blame you if you don't want to watch your team lose 100 games. Thanks for listening to the Radio to Paul Sports Podcast. Be sure to check out our other podcasts on this feed, and our live programming at ww.redapaulsports.com. I've been your host, Charlie Bevins. I'll see you next time.